Join us each week as Andrew, Ray, and others bring us in on one of their weekly phone conversations with an amazing agent. This is Little Oak Weekly. Hello, Little Oak family. Hope everybody's doing well. For today's podcast and conversation, we get to spend some time with Pamela Studenberg. Pamela is an amazing agent, uh, licensed out of our Fort Langley office. And as you'll hear in our conversation, uh, we get into a variety of very interesting, uh, what I would say are common and relatable topics. We discuss expectations and baggage that our clients can sometimes bring uh, to us from a previous relationship. Uh, We discuss challenges in competition for listings and navigating our way through scenarios where we think we're up against an individual or some information that isn't necessarily accurate. We talk through uh, scenarios where clients have experienced financial loss and how we interpret that, what we feel responsible for, what we don't feel responsible for, and our roles and duties as agents to them in those circumstances. We also talk through uh, Pamela's mindset um, in terms of how she approaches or how she separates herself from her business and how she chooses to pay herself and think through various strategies in her business and you know things like budgeting and 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 all things related so that that is also um, a very insightful conversation and you know a, a few other things that I that I won't mention here but needless to say it's a great conversation Pamela is a brilliant thinker and and an, and an agent that we can all learn from so uh, I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did enjoy Good morning, Andrew. Hey, Pamela. How are you? I am doing well. How are you? I am also well. Where do I where do I find you this morning? Are you in your beautiful home office? I am. I am there. I'm in the boardroom. Door shut. I all uh, quiet. I I remember my when I visited you at Christmas time. How much I loved it. I would like to come and work from there. Actually, if you would hire me. Well, if you're ever in the neighborhood and you need a spot, you're allowed to come and work here. <laughs> <laughs> when did you, how long ago did you build that? I remember we chatted a little bit, but how old is that? How old is your place now? Uh, we moved in in December 2019. Okay, so it's still fairly new. And you did the yeah. shop, you did the whole shop office thing at the same time. Yeah, we did. That was, yeah. Amazing. That was a lot. It was a lot to tackle at one time. That is, um, yeah. But it's done, and we're kind of really glad we got it done all before COVID because no it doubt. would not have been good to be in the middle of that process during COVID for sure. Were you yeah. were you already a Fort Langley resident before you built there? No, but we owned um, property in Fort Langley since early 2000. Okay, so you're, you yeah. you knew you wanted to live there. You were familiar with yeah. the area. Yeah, yeah. We kind of swapped a few properties and then bought the last one knowing that we were built on it yeah right so this is what do people say it's your forever home no it's never forever <laughs> no it's not <laughs> how many times have you heard clients say that and then five years later hey we're gonna move we found we want to do something different <laughs> i love that i love that when they say that because you know in my brain i'm like it's not a forever home but they're looking at it like it is and and that, but yeah, I have a client that has said that probably five times. I actually was, I, I was in conversation with a client yesterday who's, who's basically become a friend because of, you know, how long I've known them and how many times I've moved yeah. them now. I move, I've moved them three times in yeah. about 15 years, actually. And so they're talking about moving again. And I said to this person <laughs> kind of like, you know, just matter of factly, I'm like, what are you doing? Like you, you have a great home. You love it here. This doesn't make sense to me. And this person's reply was, well, Andrew, you know, we get the itch every five years. It's just kind of what we do. And I was like, okay. And that was, and that was literally it. They get the itch every five years. So I I can't imagine doing that. I'm a homebody. Like once I live somewhere, like I want to stay forever, but I guess some people, some people just want to move every every five years. I want to build. Like, I, I kind of, as things keep going on, I'm like, oh, I could go this, or I could do this. Like, it's the building, the, the, the creating something new that I like. Um, hmm. I, couldn't live in, I couldn't live into an existing home. I have to get it and, and do it, just because it's a part of designing it and building it and, and 
like, yeah, my, uh, my, and I'm very decisive. So, um, I can make decisions quickly. Hmm. I, I can also go, oh, shoot, I should have thought that over a bit longer, but I didn't. So, <laughs> and th so this isn't the first time you've built. Oh, it's not fourth. Fourth, there you go. Okay. So you're yeah. one of those people. You get the itch and then you got to do something. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. So we can yeah. expect to see your home on the market, like in the next three or four years. No, probably not. No, <laughs> but, but, but I may try to pick up something around us um, and do something. So, oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, what was uh, what? Do you have any highlights from summer that you that you, you just are so glad you did, or what was your summer like? Um. Well, we we bought an RV. And oh, you got it. You managed to get one. Those are hard to get these yeah, days. Yeah, we did. And um, Fraser Way RV and Alfern had what we went one day and picked one up in June. And then, of course, they locked up the province so we couldn't use it. Yeah. June 15th, when they opened it up, we took off. So that was fun. We actually really enjoyed that. So what kind of, what did you buy a class C motorhome, class A motorhome? No, or? we got a class A. Yeah, okay. we bought a class A. Beautiful. And, um, yeah, and it, that was fun. We enjoyed that. We have a lake house um, across the line, which we've not been at for 17 months. So On Whatcom Lake um, or where? Uh, lake Sandwich. Got it. That's a beautiful, yeah. I've, I've been there. That's beautiful. Yeah. So we've been missing it, but sometimes you just got to get away and clear your mind. And, and it was great. We enjoyed it. Yeah, cool. Is this awesome. your first, that's your first RV? Like, have you ever owned an RV before, or this was your first? Did a trailer when our kids were growing up. We did a lot of camping. We, yeah, we, we enjoyed that. But, um, you know, once you kind of buy a, a lake house, you tend to either go fly somewhere further away, whether it's Hawaii or Palm Springs or Europe, but you don't tend to travel your province anymore or travel local. You, you spend that time going to your lake house. So it was fun to revisit things that we haven't seen for quite a few years. Hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. Fun fun fact about me, my, my very first job was at Fraserway Fraser RV. Oh, I, nice. uh, that's a cool family run, <laughs> cool family run business. Uh, I think yeah. it's still the same owners. It was the Epp family that owned it years ago. I think it's the same people, but I was, uh, yeah, I worked. I worked in the parts department and I worked through a busy RV season and I, that was, I had never done any RVing growing up, but I, I was, my mind was blown at the whole RV world and everything that went into, um, camping with trailers and RVs and whatnot. It's, it's like its own little, uh, culture and network of people. It's, it's fascinating. Yeah, it is. It, I, I just like that you pack once and you go like your your home is with you as you move along you're not unpacking packing and, yes you know you see something you like you pull off on the side of the road and you visit and yeah. then you keep going and that that's kind of nice. it's yeah. a it's a very different experience than tenting <laughs> yes it is <laughs> come home from tenting more exhausted than when you left and our rving does feel like your home is just on wheels exactly and the rain it doesn't really affect you that much you're still it actually feels nice when you're in an rv and it starts raining it feels cozy so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. no it was fun it was awesome. so i've got a bit of an agenda for us this morning which uh you you know i have i give you the heads yep. up on it uh i'll just give a a, a little intro for the uh for the listeners to kind of set the uh the conversation up but i said to you that i wanted to talk to the mental perspective of the business and how you you approach things from a from a thinking perspective like different scenarios that we encounter um as agents i i see you as somebody who uh, i'll use the term thinks the game very very well i admire that about you and so i have some things that i'd like to discuss so that we can take advantage of all that is in your brain and um and see where we end up does that make sense sure yeah it does the first thing I wanted to get into was when we encounter a when we encounter a client who's either, you know, well, they've, they've come to us after they've had an experience with another agent. And maybe that experience was recent or many years ago. But sometimes people come with baggage and uh -huh. that baggage can sometimes have expectations or bad habits attached to it. And mm -hmm. so I, I've heard from, you know, a number of people over the years that this is a common thing and I've encountered it myself. So I wanted to start with that and just say, you know, what's your thoughts on that? Or what, what are some reflections that you've had or experiences you've had where, where how you 
how do you approach that and, and deal with that? I think when um, when I meet somebody right away, I think that is one of the questions we ask is, um, what has your experience been? And, and what are you afraid of? What are the things that, um, that you're concerned about as we move forward? Hmm. And that, to me, we, you're right. We all have something, good or bad, and what is their expectation? If we don't ask it, we don't know. Um, you know, I think in some ways as realtors, I, I think we're like the bartender or the hairdresser. They'll tell us things before they tell anybody else. Yeah, um, so, totally. You know, I found out that people were expecting for their family and they were concerned of the stress that was going to cause them because they maybe have lost a couple of children before uh, pregnancies. And, and so those are the things I want to know because I want to try to alleviate that stress if I can. And if I know about it and know what their concerns are, I can ask them as we go along, how do you feel about that? Is that, does that make sense to you? Just keep, keep that open. But but ask them right off the, the bat. I think um, in my earlier years, I thought I had to come and take control of everything. And, and yeah, we do need to have that control, but we need to know what they need because everyone is different. And um, I think sometimes we have to look for that, um, the unspoken things. Like when I sit down and talk to them and I ask them a question and all of a sudden they both look at each other. I know I've, I've hit something. You've hit a nerve. Yeah, you've hit something. Hit yeah. And yeah. they're not wanting, they don't know what to say. They don't know how much, they're kind of looking for permission from each other. So, but asking those questions and, and finding out what it is and then helping them work with you on how you want to deal with that. Because um, that, that does happen, for sure. It's, yeah. yeah. What What about when you... I'm going to assume you've encountered this because you've been in this a while and, and I've encountered it. So you're, you're in a scenario where you know that there's something that hasn't been shared with you that's driving some of the circumstances or the stress or anxiety in a situation. And you feel like you, you, it's hard to help people unless you know everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. How do you, do you just come out now and just, throw it on the table and say, hey guys, I'm sensing there's something here. I need you to tell me. Or, or how do you, you know, because that, that can be, you yeah. don't even know what you're asking for sometimes, right? Sometimes yeah. you might be yeah. asking a question, then you're going to get hit with something really significant. And then you're also wanting to protect people's privacy and give them space. But this impacts our ability to help people. So how do you think through that? Have you, you know, today versus what you used to do? Yeah, I think um, that that is important. There was, I think of one incident, um, we were working with this um, husband and wife, and there was just something going on there. And it, they were not in sync. You could just feel it. And you, you kept trying to work with them, and it just wasn't. And much as you go over the the point that what we talk about is confidential. It's among us. We went over our privacy. We went over our relationship, how we work together. I need to know what you guys are looking for. I left that appointment, and I knew that, she was going to leave him when this was done. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. he didn't know it. And nobody told me that. Yeah. I just knew yeah. that. So there's nothing you can do in that situation. You can't go, you know, I, and it's sure enough when the household, she did leave him, but there's other times that you can, you just have to ask and they will eventually, something will come out little bit by little bit. And you have to ask them those open-ended questions and wait for those answers. And and I think sometimes repeating what they what they say to you, mirroring what they say, will bring a bit more. They they will open another door and tell you a little bit more. Um, and it could be financial, like a financial stress, or there there's it, we've run into so many things. But you can only do what you can do and just ask and. Um, and see what they say. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you think, now I'm just asking you a question that I've wrestled with, having been in similar circumstances. Do you think we need all of the information to do the best job for the client? Uh, because no. I think we don't. No, we don't. No, I don't believe we do. No, no. But I think what we do need to know is what causes them, what makes them anxious. 
what what yeah. what concerns them. What if we can if we can do that, um, if we can help with that, alleviate that stress, and that's how I go about it. Like I, this is and I, I'm right, I'm open. I said, guys, this is a stressful process. You have people coming through your home. You've got people telling you what they think of your home. You've got mm-hmm. like you're trying to find a home. Like this is not an easy process. So I'm going to try to make this as, as as easy as I can for you. I'm going to try to eliminate some of those roadblocks or some of those those um, areas that cause the angst and, and sleepless nights. I, I can't guarantee it's going to happen, but if I can help know what what causes you that, um, you know, I'm not going to send you an email and ask you a question at 6 o'clock at night. I'm going to send it to you in the morning. I want you to have a sleep. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to be giving you those hard questions at night. Like, and someone goes, oh, no, I'm up all night, and I, you know, I do better at night. Okay. Like, I need to know how they operate, what what they need. I don't, you're right, I don't need to know everything. I, I don't even want to know everything. But when it comes to doing the transaction, I, if, I, I want to know what buttons not to push. I, I had a, you know, I, I agree with you that we don't need to know everything. Although, I'll, I'll contradict myself partially in that I had a recent experience where there was clearly some anxiety in a situation and I didn't know why all I could, all I could do was feel it right from, from the clients. It was, it was, it was very, very obvious. And so the problem was, is because I didn't know what was going on. I I didn't know what I, I didn't know where I could, I I was wondering if I needed to be sensitive in areas. Cause you know, I like in my, in my mind, I'm going like, okay, is somebody sick? Is there an impending divorce? Uh, like, mm-hmm. what, what is possibly creating these levels of anxiety where, like, I'm at the table and you can feel it and there's tears, but I don't have the facts. Mm-hmm. And so I did in that scenario, I had a heart to heart with these people uh, b- before going to market. And I said, mm-hmm. guys, like, I-, I need to say something and, and, you know, you can feel free to respond whoever you want. And, but the way I, I, I phrased it as I said, it's quite obvious that, you know, there's things going on here that are, that are difficult. And I feel that in order to do my job best, I might need to know a little bit of what's going on because in this process, in addition to getting the most value for your home, I want to protect you and I want to be sensitive to anything that may be happening in your life that I'm not aware of. So mm-hmm. to the point that you're comfortable, could you please share with me, you know, what's happening because I just want to do the best for you that I can every day. And, mm-hmm. and it was in that moment that then they did reveal something. Mm-hmm. And I went, okay, this all, you know, this all makes sense. And from that point forward, I did feel like I could do a better job with that mm-hmm. information. Um, because I could be more empathetic and more sympathetic and, and, you know, just care for them in a way that I otherwise wouldn't have been able to care for them. So mm-hmm. I, I, like in that scenario, I, I can say like, yeah, I did want all the info because I thought I could do a better job with all the info. And they can read that you did sincerely care for them. They people people pick up on those clues, just like you picked up on the clues from them that there was something more. When you talked with that sincerity and and opened up about that, and that you your need was to help them, mm-hmm. um, it came across as genuine. And I think that's what's important is is that it's not just about selling this and getting this deal done. It's about them and meeting their needs and making sure that their needs are, needs are being met. And they felt that for me. So they, that's what's really important. We get ourselves in our own way about what boxes we need to check off. And it, each deal is different. Yeah, very true. What about specifically when people have come to you, and just back to the word baggage, like you know, they've got some bad habits. Uh, you know, I'll use an example. Like I, I would consider a bad habit that, you know, a, a client who thinks they should be texting me at 9.30 at night with a question that could easily wait until the next morning at, at 8.30. <laughs> or, you know, like h- how, do you, how do you begin to retrain people to your way of doing things when they've clearly come with, with some expectations that, that you don't agree with? Yeah, yeah, that's a hard because I think I know for myself, um, my response is to just reply back, but mm. I can't stop. I don't. Um, I may see it and I'll reply back in the morning during my work days or, and the next time we meet, I'll say, 
you know, guys, I dial down. Um, I go to bed at nine thirty. So yeah. I need to shut my mind off about eight o'clock. Um, you know what? If you could fire me off an email or something, I will get it early in the morning and get you back your answers. Um, and and I'll let them know. I'll do the same with them. I want them to do at night. I I want them to be to not have these things on their mind. And and you know we're working at this together. And I think yeah, to be open about how what. What type of communication we want is really important to set those boundaries for sure. Yeah. Okay, I got another one for you. Listing appointments where um, you know you're competing. <laughs> <laughs> you're laughing. <laughs> you know what I'm going to say. So you know you're competing. You might even know who you're competing. Let's say you know who you're competing against, and you know what. You know that the facts get manipulated by the individual that you're competing against and you've been here done that you've watched other clients make mistakes or go with this other individual under what you would consider to be false pretenses or just for 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 circumstances where that person maybe you know gives in areas that you don't give so going into something like this where you know what you're getting into how are you approaching that appointment and that conversation and is there a, is there strategies that you use with experience going okay knowing what I know, here's how I can still, um, you know, win this business. Yeah, that's, that's a hard one. <laughs> um, I think I love Google reviews. Love them, love them, love them. Google think, reviews. Yeah. Oh yeah. They're amazing. You can, if you can direct people to your Google reviews and you can panic out all the words that are continuous in those or, or repeat themselves, you know, dependable, trustworthy, um, you know, all pick all of those things out. And and I would never throw that other page on the bus under the bus. I probably say they're probably really good. They've got a hard choice to make. Like I will but I would probably take the areas that I want to really emphasize the strengths and and highlight those reviews. And in our listing package, I have a page of reviews that kind of highlights a lot of those things about that what we offer them. And so I will try to highlight those things. And then from there on, I, I just try to find that connection and and showing our value. And that's just, yeah, it, that's, it is a hard one. I had one um, at the beginning of COVID, and it was actually a an agent that... Well, he was an agent. He retired eight years ago. And um, he had listed the property last year at the same time his friend did a revenue property. And the friend listed with myself. And um, we sold it and he didn't sell him. So a year later, he calls me and wants to interview me to sell this revenue property to himself. And so I go to the listing appointment knowing that he listed with somebody last time. And I know who the agent was. And I'm the marketing, I don't think was done that well. I don't think they serviced it. They didn't sell the property. Well, I went in there and kind of went over our marketing side of what we were going to do. And then, then they asked what my fee was. Mm-hmm. So I told them what my fee was. Well, they go, well, that's not the standard fee. And I said, that's my fee. And in order to get this done, that's what I need to do. Well, it was, well, we could get it done cheaper. And I'm like, and so I did highlight last time you tried, it didn't sell. I sold their friends like they did. Like so in the end they did list it with me. I did guarantee him that if he was not happy, um, and did not see the difference with how we would market it compared to how his expectation was before, um, I would gar- I guaranteed it and would refund the difference in that condition. Well, we the property was also tenanted, so we got the property sold quickly for more money than he ever dreamed of, and he was thrilled with what we did. And at the end of it, he just said thank you, thank, hmm. and he thanked me. But they never did ask for the money. <laughs> he saw the bill. Probably tough to ask for the money in that circumstance. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true, true. Yeah, yeah. That's a that is tough. And no situation is, uh, no, no two situations are identical. Um, mm-hmm. What about when you, so there's always the commission challenge, but, but what mm-hmm. about when 
you're in a scenario where you you know that somebody is being for lack of a better term just you know lied to or given really bad information that's you mm -hmm. know manipulating the circumstances mm -hmm. you know how have you handled that in the past um and i know like in this environment we've been in where you know the market's hot there's maybe less of this but you know you've been around long enough as have i where you know slow real estate markets this is more of a challenge where you know the you know evaluating the value and and coming up with a defendable thesis to sell a property like there there's a lot of weight that gets put into that for sure and i think that's that we have so many things resources to use we have stats we have um we can we've got to be a detective we got to look into this stuff and if we can know what those issues are before we go in is is helpful because we can come in with facts that prove things wrong, not the person. I don't want to discredit the person. I want to look at their facts and show the flaws and and how I see those um, facts being. So, you know, I, I don't want to be, I don't want it to be a personal thing. I don't want it to be, well, that agent is this. I want it to be, well, that's an interesting um you know, they say it should sell for this or what. I mean, we even have when they're going to throw in a moving company or they're going to, this is going to happen. And it, so we, we just take the facts on the property and show them how we got our numbers and, and that. And, you know, in the end, you might not get it. And that's how it is. Yeah. But you just have to be truthful and stay to the facts and keep it not personal. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Okay, here's one that everybody's going to be able to identify with. A scenario where a client experiences some type of financial loss that that isn't your fault. And so by financial loss, you know, the typical ones are, you know, an appliance isn't working when they move in or the house has been left in a dumpy, crappy okay. condition or something was taken that was supposed to stay. And there, you know, there's a there's a ton of other examples we could we could go through. I I had one circumstance recently where uh sold a home with a pool and nobody did anything wrong, I don't think, but it just so happened that, you know, <laughs> the the entire inner workings of the pool decided to combust right after possession. And then it looked Ouch. like it could it could possibly be something that the sellers were aware of, but, you know, good luck proving it. And no, no matter whose fault it is, the client feels like they've been screwed. And it's certainly not your fault. But how do you how do you approach that in situations where you're being asked to compensate? And even when you're not being asked to compensate, how do you think through like what's your philosophy on what your responsibility is as an agent? And 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 do you ever, you know, what what are the scenarios where you're open to participating to something financially? Or maybe you're not. I don't know. I just wanna I wanna hear your thoughts on on those situations. You know, I I do think in some ways that I'm responsible for that. Um, and for me, it's more relationships. I, these people are clients of mine for a long time. We keep in touch with them. Um, we don't, our, our team philosophies, we do not market to the masses. We market to our people. And so I don't advertise any other place but to our people. So just like that. <laughs> bad marketing, it could turn sideways. And I think that pool line would be difficult because it's probably very costly. And I'm not sure I'm into paying for that. However, finding things, finding resources, finding people that can, um, just helping them do some of that legwork, getting the experts, listening to them um, on what the issues and, and really helping them try to solve it. You know, we we do pay for things when things go wrong. Um, we had one that uh, the the seller didn't need to. They unplugged the freezer to defrost the freezer. Oh and no! High, it was this high end outside kitchen, and so they defrosted the freezer and they left. Well, our clients came and they plugged it in, and this thing was almost catching a fire on the inside. And that's a thousand dollar freezer. Okay, nobody wants to spend that. But he's like, so the agent said, "We'll get somebody in to repair it." The guy goes, "Can't be repaired." And it's a stainless steel upright freezer, and and so 
you know, this was taking a bit of time and my client was getting depressed. I said, just go buy yourself a new breather. We will pay for it. They go, well, are you paying for it? I go, right now we're paying for it, but let me try to figure out how I can get this, the anything um, back for it. So in the end, the um, agent actually reached out and said, hey, uh, what happened with that freezer? I told her and she said, let me pay for half of it. So, I mean, and that happens, those kinds of things happen a lot. I mean, when it's, when it's not a big expense, and I guess a thousand dollars is a big expense, but in the whole scheme of things, that was a $20,000 commission. Um, you know, a thousand dollars for these clients that are great people, are people that I'm going to be dealing with, and it's a cost of business. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it is. And it, no, I don't want to spend a thousand dollars, but I don't want them to have that headache either. So, yeah, we will. We will um, walk them through it, help them try to get it fixed. If in the end that we have to do something, we will do something. Do you do anything preventative leading up to? completions and possessions in order to avoid uh, unwanted circumstances like what we're talking yes. about? Yeah, um, we just had a, a property that um, we sold and it was in, it, it, there was stuff everywhere. It was like so many people orders on that property. And um, we we talked about how much it would cost to clear the crap away if these people didn't take it. And um, so we had that discussion, the buyers and myself, we talked about it, and um, so in the end, we thought they'd probably get rid of a lot of it, but we wanted to hold back. So we put a ten thousand dollars hold back on that property, which it would not cover. Like they they agreed. Obviously, the sellers agreed to this. The sellers did. We actually had ten thousand for a mobile and ten thousand for the main property, wow. and they would not agree on the mobile, um, but they did finally agree on the principal residence. It was it was bad. So, um, and but we didn't even put in there that we had to show receipts or if they didn't get rid of partial. It was, they had to get rid of all of that stuff, like everything. And we even wrote down the old top cover, the, like the bigger items, like everything had to be gone. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and we wanted to check it a week prior to see how far along they were. We wanted to check it um, two days before completion. And then on possession, it had to be done. But we kind of checked it along the way. And they had dumpsters. And they were getting rid of stuff. Well, come possession, the hot tub was still there. There was numerous things still there. There was a bunch. And so, um, you know, my client goes, what do we do? I said, you get $10,000. Like, mm. it, it was everything. And now this is your headache to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just a matter of getting rid of a hot tub. It was in an enclosed, the house was built like a square. And the center, the hot tub was in the center of it. So it has wow. to, you have to get a crane to bring it up and over. So I called the lawyer and we, and we got that, that $10,000 back. And I called the agent right away, but just so you know. And um, he understood. But if you can kind of foresee something like that, and they, it could be an issue. Write it in the contract. Always yeah. write it in the contract. And, um, yeah. I had an experience recently where I, I and this is just something that another agent two agents actually have been do have done this lately that i've learned from um where i was repping the seller in both circumstances and in, in both of these transactions there wasn't anything crazy like it wasn't quite what you just described but they were complicated deals with some expectations that were there on the part of the buyer and it was all based upon the negotiation and and you know some things that were going on at the properties and what I thought was really good is from both of these agents, we received emails, extremely detailed emails, about three weeks out and then again about one week out from completion, just basically highlighting and reminding everyone what the expectations were as per the contract. And yeah. that was great because, you know, sometimes in, we're in situations as agents where, you know, our intentions are right, but at the end of the day, it's the buyer and the seller that need to follow through on the expectations of the contract. And everybody has different mm-hmm. opinions of what's standard, right? Especially when it mm-hmm. comes to like cleanliness or de- or getting rid of clutter and garbage. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, in both these circumstances, I thought they were very well-written emails. They were very direct and, and you know, uh, clear. And I was, and, and I, so two thoughts I had, I thought, well, I'm doing that from now on when I'm representing buyers. 
And then I took that email and just forwarded it onto the sellers and said, hey guys, you know, just received this from the other side. Good reminder here in terms of what, our ex what the expectations are and what we agreed to. Let me know if you have any questions. And in both circumstances, uh, it brought to the surface, I would say, a misinterpretation of something that was an honest misinterpretation, but it, it gave me the ability to catch something that in the end avoided a disappointment on completion where the buyers would have been frustrated. And I was able to flush it out with the sellers in advance. We cleared it all up and everything went really well. But that doesn't happen without that checkpoint about three weeks out. Um, so, I, I, you know, credit to, uh, um, you know, both those age, I should call them out. Brent Roberts was one of them. And um, sorry, the second name is beseeching me right now. But they were, they were really, really well done. I thought that, that that was a great thing to do. Yeah, we do that too. We have a letter that we send to the, the listing agent um, about two weeks out about what uh, it means to leave a house clean mm. and without refuge. And it goes through quite detailed list of what an expectation is of a clean home. And we have this was shared from us from um, somebody in one of my realtor groups I'm with. Mm -hmm. and I've had, we do send it out. Um, I think if someone's professional, they receive it and they will take it like you didn't go great. That's a great reminder. I'm passing it on. But you've had pushback had, too. Oh yeah. I've had other agents go, how insulting that you think that we wouldn't have a, whatever. We just ignore it. Like that's fine. Yeah. But it is an expectation that we're expecting that health club and, and, and a little guideline about how, what that means. And it's a checklist like that that they can pass on to their sellers so that they can, they know what to do. Check, check it off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, that's, uh, that's good. I have, uh, I've, in my 18 years, I've never done that and, uh, <laughs> I'm doing it now. I think it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Um, I want to switch gears a little. You you brought up um, something in our conversation and in, in leading up uh, to this conversation um, about the concept of you know as an agent paying ourselves a salary mm. and thinking through what we do um, as a you know a business entity and then you're the employee of your business. So uh, I, I don't want to. I I'd rather just have you talk. But I, I think that's a really interesting topic, and I've I've often I've thought about this. I've, or I've I've implored this in my own life, so I, but I want to hear your thoughts on it and, and how you think through that. I think when I um, started real estate, I always felt like I was, I just felt like things were crazy. Like either you were getting paid or it was dry. Like there was nothing in between. And then, and I, I felt disorganized and I just felt like, you know, even the marketing, okay, I've got people pictures now, where's the money coming from? And I just felt like everything wasn't organized. And, and, Finally, it was like, it was just this aha moment. How do we have a business? Like, you have to treat this as a business. And how would you, how would you operate a business? Um, you'd have a business account that you could, um, pay for your, pay for things from so you don't have to worry about marketing. But what do you need to set this up? So I thought, well, I need to get a paycheck every two weeks. Like, I just need to know I've got a paycheck every two weeks. I don't need to get a month where I have X number of dollars. Like, yay, there's a windfall. I won a lottery, but then the next two months are dry. Like, I needed some consistency. So once I got into that that frame of mind that it's a business, and I draw a paycheck every two weeks, and the rest stays in my account, then I go to work every day. And I just go to work every day and I do what needs to be done. When I'm competing on that listing appointment, I can compete knowing that if I don't get it, I'm still getting a paycheck in two weeks because I have enough business and I have enough reserves that I've built up that I will get a paycheck. But I'll go and I'll do what's right. I'll go in and do what's right for me and my family. And that means I'm not inclined to cut a commission or get something I wouldn't normally do, I look at it and go, if I'm going to do that, I would rather not have this deal and go spend time with my family. Like, mm -hmm. what is more important to me? I show up for work every day. I work all day and I do what's right, but I'm not chasing that deal. Or I've heard people go, oh my goodness, I've worked this deal so much. I'm just going to throw in my consent to make the deal go through. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, I'm getting a paycheck in two weeks regardless, and I'm not 
throwing that in. I have a roof over my head. We're dealing with two people. One wants to get rid of a roof. The other one wants to buy it. Mm-hmm. They're the two that have to work this up, not me. So do your job and help negotiate that what happens. Like, I'm not there to fix it and throw any money into this. Like, and so it just, it helped me. It helped my mind know that I'm showing up every day. I'm going to work to do a job. Don't, it's not my responsibility to throw in my money to make it happen. I didn't decide to sell or buy. So that, that whole thing for me that changed that mental, the way I look at my business. And it helped me a lot. So all these decisions I make, whether I'm making up for something that went wrong in a possession, it's my business decision. I'm looking at this. I'm getting my paycheck. But I look and go, okay, I make good money at this. And I have budgeted a bit for, for when something doesn't go right or how am I going to fix this. Um, and I'll do it. But it's not coming out of my fees. I'm getting those fees. I'm not giving that break. Doesn't mean I might not give my niece a break on something or my best friend something. That's different. I chose that in the very beginning. Mm-hmm. But when it comes time, once we're into the deal, I'm not throwing it in anymore. We're done. We made that when we entered into a contract in the beginning. That's where we decided yeah. what I was doing and what my fee structure was. After that, I am not giving in. So it that helps. And then it was something that I learned along the way is um, a little bit, a bit different is, you know, you think about, yeah, this is, this is quite a bit different, but it, it, it kind of falls in the same thing is I parent myself. Like, I don't want to do it. Yeah, I have to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, how many times do you say to your kids, get outside, go get some fresh air, go do it. Like, I don't want to do it. Get out there and do it. Mm-hmm. Same thing with this. Get up, go to work, do it. Like, we have to parent ourselves, make those phone calls and do it. Um, and I know I'm getting my paycheck in two weeks and I will work and do it, do what needs to be done. And I will get that paycheck in two weeks. I think there's, there's two things that I think are a significant piece to that philosophy that you have. And you, and you, and you, you kind of said them both and I want to pull them both out. So number one, budgeting is a mm-hmm. is a significant piece. So, you know, really what you're talking about doing is you're saying, well, I'm separating, for the purpose of the conversation, I'm separating two things. I have, I have a business entity, and then I have Pamela, the employee of the business mm-hmm. entity. And if the business entity is going to operate like a, like a business should operate with budgets and principles and, and standards by which it operates, then the first thing it's going to have to have is a budget. Now, within a budget, a business that's going to survive is going to have a payroll that is significantly less than its gross revenue. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's where I think sometimes, you know, uh, and granted everyone in, in the, you know, in the spectrum of real estate agents is in different places, right? So it's not like there's mm-hmm. a black and white line, you know, a person that makes $110,000 a year is obviously different than a person that does $900,000 a year. However, mm-hmm. we, we can fall into some really bad habits early in our, our career if we develop the habit of just living off of all of our gross income and spending every dime. And I, and I know, you know, I know what I, from knowing you, I know that that's not how you operate and it's never how that's, you've never operated that way. And so that paycheck that you're cutting yourself is a fraction of what you actually could pay yourself, but you believe in operating that way. And that's what makes you successful. (laughs) That's why you can. And then what, you know, to your point of what you said about, you know, how you approach situations in your business, that gives you an authority that you otherwise wouldn't have in mm-hmm. scenarios where people are asking you to make, you know, um, to cut your fees or do anything because you have your business brain on, not your, you know, Pamela brain on, and the business has standards by which it operates. And you just say, no, that doesn't work. And, and you know that that's not going to affect your income next month because your paycheck's coming no matter what. Right. That's right. Yeah. And I think those agents that lived through that 2008 market that, um, you know, I don't know where you were in June when all of a sudden what happened. It was like a ghost town. Everything kind of shut Oh, yeah. Down. I, was, the, and, I, I lived through that. Yep. And, and I, I remember, like, it was almost five months. Like, it, was, like, it might even been December before all of a sudden things started working again. Like, that was six months. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember that so well. I, to this day, 
if I didn't do another deal, I know in my business I have I could last a year. Mm-hmm. Like I can make payroll, I can pay my assistant, I can do the marketing I need to do, I can do those things because it has to survive. Um, it has to survive if we get something happens and 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 that. And it doesn't mean it's all sitting there in a kiln. I mean I can throw it into PFA, I can throw it to somewhere. But mm-hmm. it's not going to make a big purchase for me. And at the end of the year, I'll throw myself a nice big bonus when I look at it and budget for my next year yeah. and make my business plan. But yeah. that's part of my business plan. Yeah. Yeah. Very well put. I know that that is a, you know, I've had lots of conversations about around this issue with people who are in different financial positions. And I recognize it. It's tough, you know, when you're when you're new in the business and, you know, mm. the cost of living is expensive and you know, Mm -hmm. mom and dad are both working or whatever. And you think, well, how can, Mm -hmm. how can I only live off of a fraction of what I'm, I'm making, but it it is the, the short-term sacrifice for the long-term gain is, uh, it's just worth it. It's worth it. And and it's significant. It's, Mm -hmm. it's hard. I, I I recognize, you know, I can imagine some people listening to this going like, that's not possible for me. And I understand even why they would be saying that I get it. Sure. But it, but yeah. I think that we've whipped ourselves up into a tizzy in life where everybody, all of us, you know, we, we live pretty fat and learning to live leaner is a, is a good discipline for everybody. And it's what enables you to, to have the kind of conversations that you just did because you're, mm-hmm. you're, you've separated, you know, Pamela, the business from Pamela, the human, and that gives you a lot of power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I look at it too as, you go to university, you might spend, I mean, my son's a doctor. He spent 12 years at school. The money that he put into his education, his living, his meals, and he gets out after 12 years. Well, I think when we go into real estate, too, we can do that and go, this is like going to school right now. I'm, this is an education process for a little bit. I might not have to pay myself to go to school, but I got to pay fees in the meantime. And I'm learning, and I got to do something. And and I think that that kind of mindset helps too. Yeah. Yep. Anyway. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. I got one last one for you if you got some time. You're okay for time? Yeah. Yep, I am. So a li- little bit lighter topic, but I think a lot of people, well, I, I know I've struggled with this over the year. What do you what do you do with client client gifts? I, I, I know mm-hmm. your your philosophy, I know you're extremely client focused and database driven. So I know you probably just love on people every chance you get. But do you have like does everybody get the same gift? Do you customize it all the time? How do you work through that? Do you, if someone's moving in and you, you know, these people are your A people versus somebody that might not be an A person, are, are you creating variation there? But how do you approach that? You know, it is, it is something that I think a lot of people really, really struggle with. And I, I think we try to be super practical about it and remember what is, what is that, that closing gift? What is that? It's actually probably traditionally, in my mind, a home party gift. Totally. You know, we're the first person to welcome them to their new home. So it doesn't have to be elaborate. It has, to me, it's, we give them a doormat that just says hello on it. <laughs> and we have, we order them. We have, we have probably 20 of them sitting in our storage. And they get a doormat. They get a cutco knife and they get a bottle of something. And that's what they get. And everybody gets the same thing. And when we're dealing with them, I make note of, oh, is it a red? Is it a white? Is it a non-drinker? Yeah. There's all sorts of things and that's what they get. And, um, and it's a token of our wish, very good wishes. For them in totally. their new home, and that's it. It's nothing elaborate, um, and everybody gets the same day. It sounds like you're spending maybe what 150 bucks, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, that's about it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And yeah. your the Cutco knives is. Do you have some? Is your branding on the knife? Yeah. Or? Yeah. Yep. Our branding's on the knife. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. we do that, and that's it. Um, sometimes we will take it into a little bit of a business mode and depending on if it's a young person and their first house, we may actually plan a housewarming party for them. Oh, wow. And um, it, it, we kind of did this a bit more before COVID. It sure. kind of got a little hard with COVID, but it was, you know, if you if they want to give us a list of who they want to invite, we'll send out the invite 
We don't, there's a great company that do charcuterie boards or mm-hmm. charcuterie, wait, or pizzas. Now we've done them with pizzas. And said, I'll bring the beer, pop, and pizzas, and you invite the friends. We'll drop by with the food, say hello to everybody. Mm-hmm. All those people get introduced to you, and then you leave and let them have their party. Yeah. Yep. Super easy. It doesn't cost a lot, but they got introduced to an agent. How many people do that? So those are kind of fun. They're fun things. So you just triggered a thought in my head. Do you, when your clients are having possessions, yeah, is that in your calendar like an appointment? Like is yeah. that your, your days cleared out or you got a few hours cleared out for that? Or how does that work in yeah. your mind? Yeah, yeah. So if their possession is at noon, um, we always get cleaners in. Yeah. So we've arranged either with the realtor that's, um, that's selling it can we get in a bit earlier to get the cleaners? If not, we will get them. I'll meet the cleaners there at noon. Um, even if the house is clean, we'll say, okay, then do the blinds. Do the kitchen again. Just sure. do it again, and then they leave. We meet our client there. We have a little moving kit that is just a little basket, and it's got things like toilet paper, soap, um, rubber gloves, scissors, um, things that they might need to cut open those boxes to... While they're moving in, and they're like, "What box is that in?" They get a little basket. It's there. That's a great idea. That's that. It's like a little utility basket. Exactly, and I'm hmm. happy to share it. Any, I'm happy to share that with anybody. We got pictures. We'll send them, and what we do, it's there on the counter. They've got it, and um, we usually have the gifts there. We meet them there. We walk through it, check out some things, and let them know. You know, if you got laundry, let's do it right now. But so you can let me know if that washing machine works dryer works. Um, if you can let me know in the next little bit, work, I'm going to walk through and make sure things look like they work, but um, you let me know in the next hour or two because we need to let them know right away if something's not working. And um, we'll walk through it and do that and then and leave them. Sounds like you have everything covered. That's great. You just said you've got cleaners covered, you've got a utility basket, you got a gift. There's no way your clients aren't feeling uh, loved and cared for through all of that. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. That's awesome. Thank you, Pamela, for spending time with me. I appreciate it. You're very welcome, Andrew. It was fun. Your mind and your ideas and the way you do things are um, are awesome. And uh, I I know a lot of people listen to this and go, "Wow, that's that's a tremendous idea." So I sincerely appreciate your time and uh, and for sharing your ideas with us. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks, Andrew. We'll see you soon. Take care. Thank you. Take care. Bye bye.